be a good leader, you need to be good yourself, and that's mentally. How can you be this happy-go-lucky person if you're actually not feeling that way inside or, or giving the proper direction or being empathetic towards your team if you're actually not feeling it inside? Hey, everyone. I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Seema Bansal, to our show today. Seema is the founder of Venus A. Fleur, the company behind Eternity Roses, which are real roses that stay fresh for a full year, an invention that has permanently transformed the billion-dollar floral industry. Seema never set out to start a company in the floral business. In 2015, she was in a long-distance relationship with her now-husband and business partner, Sunny. He sent her flowers on Valentine's Day, and they looked horrible despite the large price tag he paid. This sparked their idea of creating a better experience and luxury flowers that actually looked great for a longer period of time. As their relationship began to bloom, so did their idea of transforming the online floral industry, and that's when their business was born. At the time, both Seema and Sunny were working for their family businesses and decided to embark on a new journey despite having no experience in the industry. Good thing they did because very early into their launch, their signature Eternity Roses became Instagram's most coveted bouquet after the Kardashians posted about their brand in 2016. Their multi-million dollar brand has developed a loyal customer base, which includes celebrities like Priyanka Chopra, Oprah, Drake, Cardi B, and many more. Well, I've been a big fan of these flowers over the years, and I actually didn't have any idea who were the co-founders behind it. And the fact that it's female-founded and led definitely got me excited. So welcome to the show, Seema. It's such an honor to have you join us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm actually uh, a listener. I like to listen to your podcast when I get ready in the morning sometimes, and it's such an inspiring you know, group of folks that you've had on podcasts. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I'm super fascinated about your own career journey because you basically grew up in your family business, which was mostly in the plumbing industry, and you transitioned and broke out and created Vena Safler. So I think your story will resonate quite a bit with people who are looking to make a transition and build a career or business in a completely different category. But before we jump into the origin story of the business, I would love to learn more about your upbringing because it's shaped so much of who you are today. I know your parents moved to the U.S. from India in the 80s, and your father really created a life for himself and your family from nothing. Can you share more about your parents and what your life was like growing up? Yeah, absolutely. So my parents moved to Canada when in the 80s. My mom actually had been there a little longer than my dad, and then they got married and he moved out there. And his, you know, they they really just wanted to build a better life for themselves. And so, um, you know, my dad was working many jobs, some that were like super labor intensive, like fixing toilets and things like that just to get by. And he was like making $3.75 an hour or something like that just to make sure, you know, we could have food on the table. But he was such a – he had the entrepreneur bug for sure. Like he really wanted to build his own company and really kind of took that huge leap of faith and took out a loan and decided that he wanted to start his own plumbing store. Plumbing and hardware store is what it was. And so, you know, he went into business with my uncle um, and he started to struggle and um, couldn't make ends meet. And at one point thought, the company would go bankrupt and he would have to start from scratch. And a friend of his kind of came into uh, his showroom one day and was like, why don't you get into sales? You're so good at speaking and like, you're really good at telling, you know, the story of the product. So why don't you get into sales? And so he was like, yeah, you know, I'll do anything at this point. So he went into sales and changed the business model to selling plumbing and lighting fixtures. And um, that ended up being his winning ticket. And, you know, the business survived and started to actually see some success. And then they opened more stores and now they own a manufacturing plant. So they've done a lot. <laughs> um, 
And I was inspired by my dad, I guess, because I watched everything that he did and his work ethic, the way that he would kind of move through challenges. And so I think it all kind of stemmed from my own parents. Absolutely. And I'm sure you don't realize this at the moment when you were younger, but having a front seat into business and really witnessing your father go through the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, I'm sure that was a big learning for you as well. Looking back at those moments, do you think it's helped you become a more resilient and stronger founder? Yeah, I think, you know, he taught us that we had to learn how to do everything. That when you're an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean you hand it off to somebody. Of course, you're, you need to have a team and your team is your backbone, but you also need to be able to do half the things that they do or at least understand their function. And so when we were growing up, he would make us work at his store. Like every Saturday since I was 15, I worked at the plumbing store and learned how to sell toilets and light fixtures, do customer service. And, you know, really we were tested uh, when we were young. And I think that that kind of taught us the entrepreneurship aspect, but also just watching him kind of go through those times when it was kind of challenging. And mind you, he, the whole kind of uh, business, um, like almost failing was before I was born. But I did see, you know, the challenges that happened through entrepreneurship as I was growing up. And I think it just taught us that we have to, um, we always have to keep swimming and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And it's always challenging in that time, but you have a lesson that you'll learn from it. I think what your father said about really understanding each function of the business is so important. So I wanted to highlight that a bit because it sounds simple, but I don't think people do that enough. And even if you're going to hand off a piece of the business or a small project that you're doing to someone else, I always think it's important, especially as a founder and leader, to still understand the mechanics of how that works. So from my understanding, you didn't jump into your own business out of college. You actually spent a good amount of time working with your father in the family business. I'd love to hear more about your experience there. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, when I was 15, I was kind of thrown in every weekend to work there. So I started off, you know, doing customer service and um, he wanted me to sell. So I was working on the floor and like selling, you know, products to interior designers and all that stuff. And then I found that I really enjoyed the interior design aspect of the business. And I loved working with designers. So I thought, okay, maybe I want to go into interior design school, like after I graduated high school. And so I started taking classes and I realized that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. I hated the drafting part. Um, <laughs> and I know hate is a strong word, but I really just did not like drafting. And so that just was not my career path. Um, but I still loved like the, the development of how things were done. So you know, as I was learning product development, I was going into purchasing. So my parents wanted me to be the purchaser of, you know, any other high-end brands that we were carrying. So I got to travel around the world, which was a lot of fun, um, and meet different distributors. Um, at the same time, I was in college going to school um, and learning marketing. So, you know, it was it was a great experience. I think at the time, I didn't necessarily value it because I felt like I was forced and, you know, that's what, that was a great learning um, lesson because I was handed something and I had to deal with it and kind of be scrappy. It was my parents' business. It's not like it, it, it was in my mind, it's my money on the line too. Like I have to protect this. So how can I like help them in any way, shape or form? And I think that really sets you up for success in terms of being an entrepreneur. I think that's a really important point that you actually brought up in terms of really thinking like an owner. And I want to bring it up because so much of my experience shifting from working in corporate America to now managing my own business is working on my mentality going from an employee to an owner. So if I could give advice to anyone listening who wants to do a similar jump is in your current function right now, if you're working for someone, really think like it's your own company 
company, right? Like have the ownership to see a project from start to finish and really be accountable for it as well. And I think that's the best experience that you could give yourself and good training wheels before you kind of jump in and do your own thing. So I think that's such a such important point that you brought up. Yeah. And what not to do too, because like in the immigrant mentality, there's like things that they do and you're just like, no, that's not how you do it. So, and, and, and their comeback is, well, it's my business, not yours. So I think that also gets you kind of excited (laughs) and revved up to do something of your own. Um, But I think that was such a great, it was almost like, you know, being in business school and getting like the foundation um, correct. And mind you, like I definitely had a lot to learn when I started my own business and it, it was complete in a completely different, you know, market. But, um, I had to like hire my own team and, and understand like how to function the entire company. And the lessons I learned at my family business were amazing, but I did have to learn a lot of lessons along the way as well. For sure. And I can't wait to dig a little bit deeper in that a bit later into the interview. But you know, one thing you mentioned is even though you had exposure to running a business, like you said, your dad said, this is my business at the end of the day, you know, I call the shots. Did you always know at some point you wanted to do your own thing starting out when you were working with him? Or where was your mindset in terms of you being your own entrepreneur when you were there? Yeah. I mean, I just thought of this the other day because I was like, wait, maybe I did want to be an entrepreneur a lot younger. But when I was like 16, I or maybe it was like 16, 17, I bought a ton of products online um, to create a skincare brand. I don't know why. I just really wanted to create a skincare brand. And I started I spent all this, all my, you know, birthday money and, and saved everything up and, and purchased stuff. It didn't work out, obviously. <laughs> I, I didn't do much with it. But I think I've always been really interested in like creating something of my own. Um, and then kind of watching my dad build different little brands within our family brand was really, really exciting to watch and being a part of that. So I think um, that exposure to it firsthand kind of made me really want to experience it for myself and call the shots for myself. And also like just get involved in an industry that I actually really love. Uh, Mm. Plumbing isn't, and lighting wasn't really my passion. So I think, um, yeah, that's the clearest way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm a, our listeners can't see, but I'm chuckling and laughing right now because there's so many similarities in Seema's story that align with kind of my life. And I worked in our in my family business for a few years. It's in the electrical space. And although the experience was great to really bring the infrastructure and what I was good at to help the business scale, to get that magnetic success that, for example, our fathers have created for themselves, you have to be really passionate about the space. And I also didn't feel that way. And I wanted to call the shots. And I felt like I wasn't excited about the industry, despite the success that we were seeing. So going back to your story, when you were working in your family business, how did the idea of selling roses even come to mind? Yeah, so um, it started when uh, it was Valentine's Day of 2015. I was living in in Vancouver, I was actually working at my parents' store that day, and I had just started dating this guy named Sonny. And um, he he was from New York. He lives in New York, and um, he sent me flowers on Valentine's Day. And it was kind of like closer to the end of the day when I received them, and what I got wasn't what he ordered. Um, so you know, I sent him a picture, appreciated the gesture, and he was like extremely embarrassed and was like, I'm not this cheap guy. Like I, I swear, like I, I honestly was trying to buy you this and send all these pictures to kind of cover it. And so he was also like reading reviews and, and we were just in that conversation about like the floral industry and the discrepancies of things that you see online and aren't necessarily what you get, get in person. And so I was like, Oh, well, what if it was packaged? And, and, you know, all of these ideas started brewing and, um, Venus was born that day. Like I had a name already and it just kind of happened really quickly. And within six weeks we had a sample. Wow. You know, I actually, after doing my research on you, I didn't know it happened that quickly from when you got those flowers. So what, I mean, you're now, Sunny is now your husband and your business partner in this venture, but at the time you guys were pretty new in the relationship. So were you always talking about different businesses and how did the idea come about when you guys really started thinking about the name, thinking about what you wanted to sell in the very early days? Yeah. So 
interestingly enough, like Sonny and I come from really similar backgrounds as well. Like he kind of grew up in a family business of his own in like the electrical space, <laughs> which is kind of funny uh, that you said that. And um, and then myself with my family business. So we had a lot of similarities and really connected on the fact that like we both wanted to do something of our own one day. And um I think we were kind of trying to impress each other too. Like, oh, I have this idea. And he would be like, he was always working on lots of different entrepreneurial projects. Like he, they started like a pop-up like nightclub in, in New York City a couple of years ago. Like little things that he was dabbled into and he was enjoying himself learning. But, um, you know, we when we started talking about um, business, we just had that same kind of entrepreneurial bug. And we realized that one had strengths that the other didn't. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, we want to go into business together. It was just that we were talking about it. And then when this idea came, we just were like, wow, like, you know, maybe this could be great. And we were getting pretty strong in our relationship and um, things just moved really fast. I think now looking back, you know, that that was what, six years ago, I I probably would have liked, you know, thought it through a little bit knowing how much I do now. And not that it has anything to do with him, but just how quickly I moved um, and took such a huge risk. Yeah. But um, you kind of have to take the risk to benefit from a reward um, in business. So Totally. I, I actually just did this Tony Robbins um, Unleash a Power Within event. It's all virtual now. So I highly recommend anybody listening to take it. And he talks about that, like for massive reward, you need to take a massive risk. And you talked about how you did that in your own life in different ways, right? Like starting a business with someone you were recently dating, but to your point, it all felt right. And clearly fast forward, you guys have been incredibly successful. But you know, so early on, at what point did you realize you wanted to quit your family business to focus on the company full time. Yeah. Um, you know, I started working on the project in February of 2015 and things started moving really quickly by like May. I had things incorporated and, you know, things had just moved so quickly. So I had to sit my parents down and it was really hard and, and kind of like pretty emotional actually, just to tell them that like, you know, I'm first of all, I'm moving to another country. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I'm not going to be, you know, along their journey to, you know, take over their business uh, for the future. And I think in the immigrant parents mindset, it's like the generational uh, business success is like what they dream of, but it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think that was hard for both my parents um, for like, number one, I was leaving, but that I didn't really want to take on their legacy um, that I wanted to create my own. But at the end of the day, they were supportive. It took them some time you know, my dad was like, I don't want to talk to you right now. And, uh, but he ultimately, he dropped me to the airport and, you know, let me move forward. So things happened really quickly. And, um, you know, we, we started the business, um, and the end of July, 2015. You guys definitely gained that momentum. And, you know, as someone on, it seems like on both ends, you and your husband or boyfriend at the time, you both were not in the flower business. So I'm curious, looking back at you really creating this product and bringing it to life, do you remember, like, how did you go about sourcing, shipping, like those early days of getting your first product? And my follow-up question is, did you always know you wanted to create these longer lasting flowers or did you kind of stumble across that when you were starting to source it in the in the beginning yeah so initially the business started as um we wanted to kind of bring um the product to multiple cities um and then eventually roll it out worldwide um we wanted this experience that anyone could have and it would be the exact same experience every single time so what you see is what you get online was kind of like the motto in in our heads And so we um, began sourcing through the floral market in New York City and um, found a distributor that we uh, really jived with. And they, so we started buying directly through a farm in Ecuador. Um, And really our concept started as just classics, you know, seven to 10 day flowers that last about a week, Um, don't need a ton of water, but they do need water. They, they need maintenance. Um, And so we, with the concept wanting it to be shipped 
to different cities, we were running into the problem of actually um, having these products last to the next destination. So even if you shipped something like, you know, next day air from California or sorry, New York to California, they were starting to die in transit, even with any sort of, you know, modifications we were doing. So then, you know, we kept going back and forth, but we started talking to the farm about our real, like, you know, goals and what we really wanted to do and how we wanted to be, be different, how we want to market. And oddly enough, <laughs> these are the best stories, but, you know, they, they had a sector of their farm where they were preserving flowers. They're preserving roses. So, um, you know, I think what we learned from our family business and and just like selling ourselves, we really were there and we went down to Ecuador right away, went and met with the farm, kind of explained the concept, how how we thought we were going to get, we, we were going to get to the next level. And um, they took the leap with us and they gave us the rights to the flower and we started marketing it. Things happened really fast. That is such an amazing story. And I'm sure people listening are like, okay, how did that all happen? But I've heard these types of stories enough and I'm witnessing it also in my life. You know, when you put yourself out there and you're not really afraid to ask questions, you know, meet with different manufacturers or in your case, you know, potential sourcing partners, you really don't know what can come out of it if you keep that open mind. And if you don't put yourself out there, you just will never get these opportunities. So just seeing how you guys got on a plane, went out there, started talking about your vision, because really selling that vision when you you don't have a company is also really important to do. You have to pitch them on why they should want to work with you. Actually, that's probably like one of the most difficult parts starting out is finding that person that believes in you guys. So the fact that they were doing what you guys ultimately dreamed of is is amazing to hear and you guys got the right. So in the early days, you've talked about even after you finalize the rights for the proprietary solution, do you remember any specific challenges or setbacks that you had in the business that you ever, you know, considered maybe quitting or, you know, a challenging moment in the early days that you could share? Yeah, I think when we were trying to ship the flowers initially, we were just hitting so many roadblocks. This is before we got the attorney roses, but they were they were just come back dead or damaged or like, you know, flipped upside down, just very, very disheartening for someone who really wants something to work. Um, so I would have sleepless nights. I would cry just because we put so much on the line. All of our savings were in it. Um, and so, yeah, there were days that we would, you know, not believe in it. But I think because my co-founders, also my husband, we would uplift each other because we knew what would set the other person off and kind of calm the other person down. So, um, you know, the shipping for sure. And I think also um, when when we started marketing as well, just trying to really explain the process to people, that really just wasn't clicking in the beginning. People didn't understand that flowers could live up to a year. And so just, I, I guess it's all about like hammering through and just keep, keep prevailing, keep moving forward. It gets very challenging. It's very frustrating during the time being, but you can make something really magical if you just keep going, like never lose hope, I think is kind of the, um, the, the, the quote that, that you need to follow. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important to have that support network for you as your husband, but whether you have a friend, family, or, you know, even listening to podcasts, for example, inspires me when I'm going through those tough times, but that support is so fundamental in getting you to just not quit and just kind of push on because you will eventually get to that point that you want to get to. One thing you mentioned, which I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into, is you've created this new product. So there's a lot of education behind it, right? You were saying people were not understanding what we were doing when we were trying to create more of that awareness early on. So can you kind of talk about what things you tried that worked or didn't work? Because clearly it, you ended up nailing your marketing. I think figuring out the visuals was really, really important. What worked, what didn't work. When we started, it was kind of like at the same time that Instagram businesses were starting to take off. A lot of them had, um, there were a handful on, on Instagram at that time. And now almost every other, you know, swipe you make is a, a business. So it's really exciting. But at the time, it was just trying to figure out what worked and what didn't. And we were primarily on Instagram at that time. So just trying to figure out 
what clicked and what didn't. But we nailed down the like our I guess our trademark, uh, which is real roses that last a year, and that was a question in its own because people would say wow and then we'd always have to have a response to follow and i think um as more people received our product and more on the influencer side would receive our product and saw it in person and would vouch for it um we started seeing other people also um you know, believe in it too. So I think you definitely need that mix of your own messaging, but you need that um, support from others to also, um, you know, sell sell your business too. So that was kind of exciting for us because in the beginning, you know, we we had a lot of influencer support uh, right when we started. At the time, I'm sure you guys were reaching out personally, the team wasn't big, but were these micro influencers or can you kind of talk about how you really develop that relationship for people who might not be as familiar with influencer engagement and marketing, which is so key in even businesses today? Yeah, um, I actually did all of it by myself in the beginning. Um, I would contact, I just reached out to them and see if they were interested in receiving a product. And all they had to do was just tag us and um, if they liked it. And, you know, a lot of people were interested in that concept. So, um, you know, we, we, that's kind of what we did. We just sent out product, let them pick the color of roses they wanted and um, made it personal for them. But we did have some exciting influencers share our products in the beginning of our business, right around Valentine's Day of the following year. So Courtney and Khloe Kardashian ended up sharing our products on Instagram when we were fully sold out. And it was by surprise because we did send them arrangements, but we never in a million years thought they would share them um, on Instagram. And that really kind of created a little verification for us. It helped, it helped us tremendously. I mean, that is huge. That's like probably any company's dream to have the Kardashians or someone at their caliber to share it because that honestly can change the complete trajectory of your business. But if I remember correctly, when you guys had started, I believe you sent flowers to their team or their family. And can you kind of walk through the process before they ended up posting a year later? Yeah, yeah. So um, someone from their team had reached out and said, you know, we love your flowers. We'd love do you guys deliver in California? And we said, yes, we do. And uh, we we made it work. So we ended up sending a, a arrangements to the team and then asked if we could send arrangements to the family, which we did. Um, and that was, I think, like two weeks before Valentine's Day, we had sent some arrangements out and our flowers last. So they were obviously in great condition. So their team sent the flowers to everyone in the family. And you know, we really just wanted the flowers in front of them. We never thought that they would share them, but to our surprise and, and you know, luckily they did. And it really, really was an exciting moment. We were screaming and jumping. It was Valentine's Day. Our website was not clickable because we had no inventory to sell. So we actually weren't able to capitalize on anything that had happened in that moment. But um, we did get a ton of new followers. So many emails were pouring in. Uh, phone would not stop ringing. And on top of that, we had to line out our door. So that's the power of, you know, social media is people were so, so excited for this product and their reach was, you know, to the millions. So we had so many people, you know, um, learn about our company in a matter of seconds. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, that story is just so crazy. And if I remember, you guys were still a pretty small company, right? Like four people you guys were were with you? It was me, my husband, his brother, and one other member. Oh my gosh. And so you hear these stories. I mean, yours is very unique. We actually haven't had anyone come on our podcasts that have had that virality from like a very big influencer. So I can't even imagine what that feeling is like. And, you know, how did you sustain the growth afterwards? Like you said, day one, everything was sold out. You weren't able to capitalize on the people who were learning more about you, but what did it look like for the weeks thereafter with that demand? Like, how did you support it? Cause it's really tough with only four people. Yeah. So I think that was probably one of the biggest learning lessons that we had was that 
we didn't have inventory. We didn't know how to plan for inventory and that we needed to hire someone who knew supply chain. So that was one of the biggest hires we made at the time was we brought in someone to help us with supply chain and streamlining and projections. And so because Mother's Day was only about six weeks after that, or I think eight weeks right after that. So we really had to get prepared. Um, And I think for Mother's Day, we were better prepared, but I think that it took us a while to get there where we were projected out like uh, we we could project out what kind of sales we were expecting. Um, But it really taught everybody a huge lesson. And I don't think any business owner ever wants to feel like, oh my gosh, you're getting this moment and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't sell anything. And you know, that that's what happened with us. We had to learn, but luckily, you know, that was fixed and in in no time. I think a lot of your success early on also goes to really building a team around you. And what I mean by that is, especially very early on in the business, I feel like there are some entrepreneurs who are scared to make that investment into experts who really know a segment, like in your case, right? Hiring someone who is an expert in supply chain, it's not cheap and it's a pretty big investment starting out. But the fact that you guys were aware that it wasn't your specialty and really to take the business to the next level and to support the demand that that was required, I think is really great and important. And thinking about those early days, I'm sure it absolutely was not cheap to gather the inventory for these flowers and also hire a team around you. How did you think about funding early on? Did you ever consider bringing on investors or what was your thought process around the capital of your business? Yeah, I think when we started, we just wanted to make sure we were owning the brand and the experience and that there wasn't anyone kind of um, on top of us telling us how it needed to be run. So that was extremely important to us. Um, and then once, you know, we started to see funds come in, we just kept reinvesting back into the business. There wasn't like, you know, let's go and do this. It was like, put all everything right back in. We need to hire more people. And for us, it was important to bring in experts in certain areas that we weren't experts at. And, um, you know, that's how we think as founders as well. It's just, we know there's smarter people than, than us and they know much more than we do. So we we made sure we had enough cash flow to, you know, support the heads that we needed. And looking at your business now, you guys have seen, you know, pretty solid year-over-year growth since you started. Has your perspective on funding or bringing the right person or partner into your business changed? I think that, you know, eventually there could be a better parent to take over Venus Safler, right? We, I, I think we know that we um, are great at driving it right now, but eventually we want it to, to see an amazing home. So I think one day we'll get there, but right now we're really happy, you know, driving and, and doing all that we can to, to create the best floral brand in the world. <laughs> For sure. And it absolutely is. And it's been awesome just to kind of see the business have new products and whatnot over the years outside of the original roses that you guys have created. And you know, one question I'm curious about, and you talked about this a little bit earlier on in the interview, you and your now husband have created that this is like your first baby you created together, you know, early in your relationship. What is it like to work with your partner? Any tips that you have that you could share with people who might be considering, you know, working with whether it's like a good friend or their partner as well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I said it earlier, but we we know each other's like strengths and weaknesses and we both have what each other doesn't. So it really does balance everything out in terms of um, responsibilities. And that's really what it is. At the beginning of our partnership, um, we made it really clear that, you know, I own this portion, you own that portion. Like, yes, we're going to collaborate, but like at the end of the day, I'm not going to tell you how to do operations and you shouldn't come and tell me how to run the brand. And I think that was such a, you know, great way to set things up because that's kind of how we follow um, even today. And it keeps our lanes clear and and we both get to be directors in our, in our areas. So I think anyone who's looking to start a business with someone that they're really close with or that, you know, they're in a relationship with, 
um, it's really, really important to set some boundaries and um, stick to them and kind of own your own portion of the business. Because if you kind of share every responsibility, then no one actually owns anything. And that gets really messy too. So, and I learned that from my parents' business too, because I watched like the things that they would do and I was just, you know, would not want to, um, you know, stick, get too sticky and, and, you know, work on the same project and not actually complete it because, you know, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. I completely agree with you. I think actually even more so if you are working with a friend or a family member, it is so, so important to have the right information written down in terms of what your roles and responsibilities are and also having the right documentation in place if you guys are partners. And this is something that I didn't do when I worked in my family business and what I'm so, so keen on, especially in what I'm up to now because I am working with my future sister-in-law. So I've seen a lot of partnerships go sideways when they are not clear with their objectives starting out. So it's definitely an important point to bring up and hammer down. So speaking about working with family. I know your business partner is also your husband, Sunny. As two people who are so passionate about what they're doing, how do you balance both your personal and business relationship together? Yeah, I think it's like a two-parter. Sometimes like we, I'm, I just all day long want to talk for the business yeah. or businesses, whatever we're, we're working on. Um, and he does too. And then there's times where, you know, it's really important to just not like talk about the TV show that we watched or something and or just spend time with each other. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong. Like you, if you're passionate about something, you should talk about it. And it, it's a goal. It's exciting, you yeah. know, seeing the next steps. So I think there's this like idea that when you come home in a relationship that you shouldn't you shouldn't talk about work. And although that can be true because it's unhealthy to talk about work all day long and all the things that happen – um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with just, you know, talking about what you're excited about, what your goals are, what you're passionate about. And it's really fun when it's aligned. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Keyword aligned. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, he's your number one supporter and fan with everything that you do. So it's it's so awesome to see that. <laughs> And one thing I'd love to get your thoughts on, so many businesses with COVID have been impacted, especially earlier in March. And curious from your perspective, what was that like? And have you guys had to pivot as a business to kind of change the the company to just support this new world that we're in? Yeah, I think when we first, when, when COVID first hit, it was just such a, you know, unforeseen time and and it was really really scary we were scared for our employees we were scared for the business we were scared for the world um and messaging was really important like it was such a sensitive time like how do we sell flowers like you know people are dying and you know losing their jobs like we need to really pivot so you know we we just started to kind of um you know, talk to our community a little bit more. We were making sure, obviously, our team was safe and healthy. We um, put a huge, um, you know, process in place where in our warehouses, we had a driving route so that if people didn't feel comfortable, some of our staff uh, took, you know, public transit in. And so we wanted that to stop. And we actually had a new a role that was created in the company where we had one of our sprinter vans. Mm. We put some seats in and we had, um, you know, everyone get picked up and then dropped off home. So they felt safe and they weren't, they, they didn't feel uncomfortable traveling into work. Um, so there were a few things like that. And of course, the entire facilities were sanitized, cleaned multiple times, and um, everything to do with packages. We were really, really, really careful um, and extremely sensitive to, you know, what was happening in the media and around the world. Um, and I think also, like I mentioned with messaging, just making sure that we were being thoughtful um, to the consumer. Um, and then we did start seeing that a, a demand people wanted to send flowers to to their loved ones because they weren't mm -hmm. able to connect with them in person and share, you know, loving thoughts or messages. Some people were having babies and, um, you know, their weddings were canceled. Just so many things had happened. And I think there was um, a lot of comfort that folks wanted to give to to their loved ones. And so we saw that demand come around like shortly after COVID had started. 
In a lot of our interviews, we've actually heard that messaging was so critical in terms of how they navigated both marketing their product and dealing with the environment that we're in with COVID. So it's interesting to see how you guys really worked through it as well. And also thinking about last year, were there any big challenges when it came to supply chain or operational issues that you had to face since that is something that so many entrepreneurs were dealing with and are still dealing with now? Yeah. So luckily, right after Valentine's Day, we did a replenishment order. And with our flowers, they last up to a year. So we actually had ordered in a ton of stock for replenishment. And so when COVID hit, and it was hit really hard for a lot of uh, floral brands and like in the agricultural space, um, our business was definitely, um, you know, in a in a better spot because we had bought pretty heavy into, you know, what we thought was going to happen for the next couple of months. So um, that really kind of gave us a protective layer. Um, but in terms of other portions of supply chain, we were definitely affected because we had a ton of things on order from different parts of the world for different components of our collections. A lot of them were delayed. Um, and I think everyone was affected by global supply chain this year yeah. of anything that they had ordered for their brands. Um, so we did see a huge delay there in terms of launching product, but um you know, I think it was also okay because we wanted to be sensitive to our community and really connect with um, our clients. So yeah, I think that was kind of the learning is nothing happens the way that you necessarily plan it to. And you kind of have to pivot and just go with it. That's for sure. Pivoting is the name of the game in business. So really looking into last year, like many of us, we obviously all have spent more time at home. I'm sure you were not traveling as much as you typically were traveling. Were there any new inspirations that came to you, whether it was in your life or new business ventures? Yeah, I think um, I'm actually a pretty spiritual person. So I think I tapped into more of that this year and um started making self-care definitely more important practice in my life. Um, so whether that's meditation, journaling, I love uh, visualization manifestations. That's something that I love to focus on. And I talk about that a little bit like on Instagram here and there, but um, yeah, share more about what you do. Cause I'm a big believer in that too. And it might sound woo woo, but I'm telling you it works. It's true, but I would love for you to talk more about what you do. Yeah. And I love that you say woo-woo because I say that all the time. Um, so, it, you know, it inspired me to uh, start a new company um, that it actually started in 2018, but I just didn't have time to fo focus on it. And this year I really did. So um, it's called Chiji and we are the creators of the Crystal Energy Candle. And it really inspired me to create this product because I just wanted to have that moment to myself and connect with um, crystal energy and crystal energy is so, so powerful and can help you manifest really anything that your heart desires if you're willing to set an intention. Um, so, you know, and along with that practice, I love to um, illustrate. So I'm not a great drawer illustrator by any means, but I do these like almost like a brain dump every like quarter and I'll um sometimes I write things in my notes in my phone of things that I've thought of and then I'll sit for an hour with candles on light music and I will sit and draw these things and products or ideas or things that I I'm thinking of really mm -hmm. and um I write words next to them that describe what those things could be or what I could visualize them um being in the world mm -hmm. And um, to me, that kind of solidifies it and makes it, re makes it real. It makes it tangible. And um, I think that that's how some of the greatest products are created and the greatest ideas are created if you are willing to put them down on paper and believe that they're, they can be real. Um, so that's kind of one of my practices. And, um, and, and then Chiji. Uh, kind of was born out of that as well. I love that. I actually did not know. And it, it, is it selling right now, Shiji? Yeah, it's C-H-I-J-I um, on Instagram and then home of homeofchiji.com. I love it. We'll definitely put that in our show notes. But yeah, I 
completely agree with you. I think when you have clarity about what you want and you really can see it and believe it and you think through it, whether it's every day or once a quarter, it really does help navigate you when you're in your life and trying to figure out the right next step. But yeah, I I truly believe that anyone can do anything they want in their life with hard work and really that clarity and that belief. So I love what you're doing and I'm obsessed with candles. So I'm excited to go take a look. Thank you. So one thing you talked about, the focus for this year for you is all about self-care and taking time to really reflect and take care of yourself. You've talked about in another interview how you've battled burnout in the past and trying to control too much and not trusting others. That is something that so many entrepreneurs do, you know, even in startups that I worked with, you you saw that as well with the founders. But I'd love to get your perspective on what you mean by that and how you really worked on those quote unquote trust issues starting out to have more balance in your life. Yeah, I think as a founder, you want to do it all and you want to have pulse on everything and make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, your baby is living and thriving and growing. And um, it's really hard to trust somebody that, Uh, to take over a portion of the business that maybe you were owning at one point and you kind of, it was already at this growth. um, It's, it was heading towards a growth stage. Right. So um, for me, I think I am on more on the brand side of the world and just making sure everything is perfect has been my biggest struggle. Um, And so I think, you know, I really just had to let go I really just had to um, believe that my team, I brought these amazing people on for a reason. They're experts at what they do. They can do it much better than I can if I allow them, if I hand them the keys mm-hmm. um, and just believe and and check in with them, but just give them, give them the full authority. Um, and I think that once you let go, great things can happen. You just have to kind of, you know, Loosen up the, the the shoestrings a little bit and and give your team full authority or at least full trust that you'll you'll allow them to kind of go in the direction that you're hoping the brand can go into. Um, and then I think also I started just um, focusing more on myself. Like I said, self care has always been something that was really important to me. Um, and I suggest every single person listening that if you do have a business, it's so important to talk to somebody because um, it's it can be really lonely talking about some of these things. And although I have my husband and he's my co-founder, like I really value my other relationships with my other um, female founder friends, family. Um, but I think it's important to talk to like a life coach or even like a therapist. Like it's good to just kind of let things go. And I hope there's no more stigma, stigma anymore around, you know, mental health because it's such an important topic and everybody has things that they go through, even the most successful people. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't be able to get to the next step if they weren't you know, making sure that they were good. Absolutely. I think being successful in life and business, it is so, so important to prioritize self-care and like you said, your own mental health. And I think we don't talk about that enough, but all the women that have been part of my podcast, including yourself, have talked about how it's been so tough to build businesses and it feels lonely. And even though we see all the success that they've created on the outside, you know, behind the scenes, it has not been easy. And I think as a leader in whatever aspect of your life you're a leader in, it's so important to take care of yourself first so you can be the best person for your family and team around you. Absolutely. To be a good leader, you need to be good yourself and that's mentally. And, um, you know, how, how can you be like this happy go lucky person if you're actually not feeling that way inside or, or giving the proper direction or being empathetic towards your team if you're actually not feeling it inside. So I think it's one of the number one things that I say is just make sure you're taking care of yourself because starting a business and being a founder is, it is really, really hard as, glamorous as it can seem. And I'm curious in your life, have you had any key mentors or people around you that have really helped you in your own process? Yeah, I've had some amazing, um, you know, female founders that have um, kind of helped me, uh, pushed me, if you will, to, uh, you know, get out there. I remember when I started the brand, I wasn't necessarily like, you know, talking about 
myself and or even sharing much about that that I had started it. And a lot of the women that have found out that I I had done that, they pushed me to, you know, get out there and share my story to inspire other people. And along the way, we created friendships. And those are some of the closest people that I have because they can relate to me in so many ways or um, I can relate to them and, and their journey. So um, I, I believe in mentorship and I think you should reach out. Like I have sometimes people will reach out to me on Instagram or LinkedIn and just ask me for, ask a few questions and I love to respond whenever I can. Um, but I think you shouldn't be afraid to ask someone a question if you're looking for for something that could help you in your career. Absolutely. And people, I always say this, so I sound like a broken record player, but people are always willing to help. And if you ask 10 people, you might not get yeses all the time, but there's people like you and me who are willing to take some time out just to help another entrepreneur. And so I think that's really key. And what I love so much about your story, starting out, these mentors, these women that you had around, you really pushed you to do something you're uncomfortable with, right? Is like getting your face out there, talking about your brand, because customers want to connect with authentic brands and know who's behind it. And I think having mentors around you who aren't pleasing you, but pushing you to the next level is, is so critical. So I'd love to close on one last question that we like to ask all of our guests. Wealth means so much more than money, and everybody has their own definition of wealth. To you at this point in your life, what does wealth as a whole mean to you? I think happiness, like being happy, feeling passionate, being physically healthy, like that is real wealth. Um, and having love and um, strong relationships in your life, that is wealth. Um, of course, I think financial um, abundance and security is super important because we work so hard. We we definitely want that uh, backbone. So I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong with having actual financial uh, abundance. But I think to me, the real reason or the real um, definition of wealth is being happy. Yes, it's such a blessing. And like you said, you know, there's there's so much taboo around talking about money, but having that financial security just gives you more opportunities to help others, you know, whether it's your employees, your family and friends. So I think that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, happiness is so key. If you can create a passionate life for yourself and be happy, that's the ultimate goal. So Seema, I so appreciate you sharing your story. I can't wait to watch what more you guys are going to bring into this world. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I had the best night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.